The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer, bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com for your chance to win $17,760 in upgrades for your truck. Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. Today we're on episode number 34. I am the automotive reviewer for Bay Area News Group, and I write for my own website, uh, edit and publish theweeklydriver.com. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich, and today we have a special guest, an author, uh, and he's written uh, a few books, including a new book, uh, Muscle Car Barn Finds, which is one of our, my favorite topics. Barn Finds is just such an open-ended category, so welcome to our program, Ryan. Uh, Ryan Brutt, uh, we've, we've reached him in Chicago. How are you today, Ryan? I'm doing well, sir. How about you, gentlemen? We're, we're doing great. great. Uh, we've both read your book. Uh, you know, I could read it over and over and over again because the, the world of barn finds is just terrific. Can you start us off today by telling us, you know, how your interest began in, in the wonderful world of, of barn finds? And if people don't know exactly what barn finds are, you know, you're driving along a country road or you're driving along anywhere for that matter, and you see something on the side of the road, and maybe it's a car that no one's touched for 30 years, or it's been in a barn, or it's been just uh, unloved for a long time. So, could you start today by telling us your interest in this and when it all began for you? Absolutely. And you're, you're absolutely right. Barn finds are, you know, that's what we use, we use that term very loosely, especially nowadays, to classify a kind of vehicle that's just been neglected or, you know, abused for such a long period of time because it immediately puts the idea of what the car condition into your head. If you say it's a garage find, well, I know the cars in my garage are really nice. Yes. So if you say it's a barn find, you understand that the car's been sitting a long time, it's been neglected, it's probably covered in dust and, you know, raccoon poop and all that. So, I mean, anything, it can be a junkyard find, uh, you know, a garage find, barn find, I found warehouse finds. And you just call it a barn find, just to, so you put that into the people's minds, what the condition of the car is. And my very first, let's say, barn find, um, it, it's what started me off. I can't even tell you exactly the car and the place. It was a 71 Cuda, and I was getting my car repaired at a local repair shop, and between two of the bays, there was a car that was buried in this junk. Um, all kinds of, you know, old car parts. They did ultra work, so they had, like, layers of old material on it. There was a black 71 Cuda. Wow. Field fenders, um, the deal, you know, the, the quad headlight grill. I mean, the whole bit, and that... That put the switch in my head, and I thought, here I am in Chicago, you know, little, I mean, it's a little shop in the middle of nowhere in Chicago, and here's this amazingly cool car just sitting here, neglected for, it's all, it was a long story, but like 15 years had been sitting there. I mean, if I could find this car by accident, if I actually put some willpower behind it, some actual effort, what other stuff could I find out there beyond, you know, my little neighborhood? And that is what literally got me down the slippery slope. Yes. What year was that, Ryan? That was probably right around 2002, mm-hmm. 2004. I'd have to look it up. But it was 
a little over a decade ago that I really started going down this very bad path. <laughs> I'd say it's a great path. Oh, it's definitely not boring in the least. You know, you see a lot of cool stuff, but man, it, it hurts the pocketbook pretty good. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Bruce. Uh, yeah, I found I found the book amazing because uh, muscle cars of the late 60s, early 70s are my favorite so reading this book and looking at all those great pictures that you have was just fascinating to me. And I think I learned a lot, too. I, I, I think I know quite a bit about them, but, you know, not everything that, uh, that you know and what you put out there in your book. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, to be able to, you know, travel the country and be knowledgeable when I come up to people, to show them not as a looky-loo trying to buy their car, you know, having that, you know, I have no life, as I tell people. I just drive around looking for rusty junk. But to have that knowledge base to be able to tell people, oh, I know you have a 67 GTO with a 3D9 tri-power, you know, sitting in your front yard. Oh, they're like, oh, so you're a muscle car person. You know what this car is, and you can appreciate it more than the guy that's traveling down the road in his Hyundai, you know, going, oh, cool car. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. Right. So it allows sure. me to, you know, open up doors and actually have conversations with the cars I with the people, with the cars I find. Yeah, it sounds like uh, a lot of these people are, they're very private people or, or they don't want to talk about their cars. They're, a lot of them are hidden. You know, that's why they're neglected. They're just stuck away someplace. Maybe they don't have the money or the time or the whatever it takes to get them back on the road. It's just a dream in their head that they, they're, you know, someday I'm going to do this, someday. And you're the type of guy that comes along and... Uh, speaks their language, I guess, and appreciates their car, and they open up to you. Absolutely. And another thing is, absolutely, I mean, if you can be on the same, you know, talking, you know, platform with them, it definitely helps. But also, I show up with, I just drive, I have a newer Dodge Challenger that I drive all around the country. And so I show up, I'm not very imposing, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big guy, but uh, I'm not, you know, I don't show up with a tow truck. And I tell them right off the bat, I'm like, I'm not here to buy your car. You know, I, I obviously have a nice cool little car. Um, I want to hear your story. Why has this, you know, 67 GTO been sitting in your front yard for all these years? Mm -hmm. And obviously there's some story behind it. There's some reason they put this car literally rust or, you know, sink into the ground. And as long as you're not trying to take that from them, they're usually more than happy to at least tell you about why the car's been sitting. You know, they dated their wife in it and, you know, or, the, you know, they brought their children home in it or, you know, it was the car that used to drag race, you know, on, you know, Thursday nights when he was younger. So there's always something that connects them to the car, and that's why they won't get rid of it 99% of the time. And being able to, you know, work that out of them really, you know, when you're not threatening them to take the car from them helps a lot. Do you try to, at some point, and you, you get a rapport with them and... And they don't have the means to get it running. Do, do you you sort of broach the subject of maybe you know a buyer for it or something like that? Maybe sometimes or all the time or never. Oh, absolutely. Uh, at the end, when I you know when we're, I'm getting ready to leave, I would be like, hey, you know, I was giving them like a, a few different options um, or you know ideas. But the big thing is, I'm like, hey, you know, I understand that you don't want to sell the car right now, and that's absolutely fine. But you know, in the future, if you know the the ideas noodling around in your head, you know, I would be interested in the car. You know, I, you know, I could come back and take care of it and get it running and driving in theory. And if I don't have the money to be able to do it, I know people that aren't going to, you know, mess around with you. You know, they've had, you know, 
with Medicio, you know, you've had people literally for 40 years driving by your house going, I'll give you 50 bucks for that car. Sure. And that, can ups- that upsets someone over time. That's what usually makes people very bitter. But I know people that are like, hey, you know, I know my friend Steve, he's a straight shooter. He'll give you a proper value on the car. He'll explain it to you or, you know, Nick or whatever. And or if you ever want to get it running, you can give me a call or you drop me an email. I'd be more than happy to point you to a restoration shop or point you where to get parts. And in reality, that's actually the number one thing that I get is I get people, you know, five, ten years out now still emailing me and being like, hey, you know, I have that you know, CUDA that you found 12 years ago. Hey, you know, I think I'm going to get it running and driving here. Where do I go get, you know, points for a 70 Barracuda? And I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You can go here or there. Um, so that's definitely an option. I always leave my business card in the glove box of the car. I'm like, hey, you know, I know if this goes in your house, it will get lost forever. I'm just going to leave it here in the in the glove box for you. So in the future, if something changes, you know it's always going to be there. Gotcha. And, you know, I've very, very rarely been able to buy something from people. I mean, I can count on by one hand how many cars I've actually bought, but I've helped. I can't think of how many people I've helped, you know, either get cars back on the road or find places to take them to get cars back on the road. Um, you know, at least point them in a direction that makes the car better than when I last, last saw it. I, I particularly liked one of the sections where you talked about um, I guess, I don't know what the proper, maybe a legend or a wives' tale, so to speak, of not exactly knowing how to find the path to the man who had all the Corvettes. And you explained it well by, you know, driving down this road and you saw some kind of uh, junkers out front and then you maybe peered around a corner or through some hedges, I forgot exactly. And then that whole um, area opened up and the guy had all these Corvettes and I I, I was chuckling that somebody had, had amassed that many Corvettes. It was hard to even fathom. What was that like? Oh, that was incredible. Especially uh, early, Cor- you know, C1s and C2s. Yes. Uh, it was insane that, I mean, there was a blue one literally right out in the, in the guy's front yard. And that was just the one by the road. I mean, you can see in the pictures, the stuff in this barn, and I didn't even have time to go see it all. I was on my, I was traveling somewhere. I mean, it really, he's like, oh, let's go look in the first car. Opens it up, and you, you can see in the pictures. There's yeah. a 54, there's a 55, there's a 57. It's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, and this is just along the road in, you know, middle of nowhere. And if you see the place like this, it had a lot of junk just along the road. Yes. You would never know what was, you know, just hiding in the barn. For- I mean, just recently, I was out traveling to Utah. And I knew about this one car that was sitting in a guy's backyard. Mm-hmm. And I knew about this car for 10 years. And I'm like, okay, well, I know I have one picture. My friend has one, my Someone sent me one picture of this car. And in the background, it had a light, a really unique, like a football stadium light. Yes. And I finally got down to, I knew it was one of two towns. So I went to these two towns on Google Earth, and I went, okay, where are the football stadiums in these towns? I started just going up and down on Google Earth, lining up a picture, and I was actually able to find the car and go look at it on my trip after 10 years of searching. So you just never know what's going to pop up. That's an interesting story. I wonder if nowadays you could actually, you're using uh, Google Maps, but you could use, uh, seems like you could use a drone to fly over some of these properties too, huh? Oh, I wish 
wouldn't doubt that. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to trust. I mean, I never sure. All yeah. my pictures are taken. I've always asked to take the pictures of the cars first. Um, I'm not, because nothing's worth your life. You never know, especially in today's, you know, climate, someone could very easily have a gun. And oh, you're yeah. trespassing if you go on their property. They have the right to shoot you. So, and a drone is a very murky place. And you, but you're absolutely right. There are definitely places like I know, like on the desert. I've never done it by friends that you know they go do these drone um, uh, mapping things where they'll go and the, ma- the drones will go out and they'll find these cars in the desert um, that have these you know uh, ghost towns and all that. So it's very easy to find cooler cars easier now. Uh, Ryan, one thing one thing that comes to mind is it it triggered a thought of a few years ago. I was uh, driving one of the cars I get to review, and I just there was an open field, and the, the backdrop had some beautiful orchard trees. And I I pulled into this little driveway. There was nobody around, and the the limited photographer I am, I took some photos on my iPhone, and this man ran out, and he was very angry about you know what I was doing there. And I mean the gates were wide open. There were there were there weren't any signs that said no trespassing. But he, he was really angry, and so I got out of there pretty quick. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you had any, um, you know, maybe some not-so-pleasant experiences, if anybody really wanted to be by themselves and, and uh, you know, chase you off the property. Were there any any funny stories along or sad stories along the way like that? Oh, absolutely. There, I mean, like I said, I always ask first to take pictures. Unless it's like for document, like I've driven down the road and I'll see a cool car and take a picture and keep on going. Yes, but uh, I've only had, and I have people all the time, actually, that tell me, you know, no, I don't want pictures. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I understand. I, what's the story still? Uh, I've only had one serious, crazy individual. Um, a few years ago, I was traveling, and I posted on a web forum that, hey, I'm going to be traveling through Iowa, and I'm going to be going from here, where I have friends, and I'm going to be traveling to a car show here. Does anyone know of anything between these two points? Okay, guy goes, go to this town in Iowa. This guy has cool cars. That's all he did. Didn't even give me the guy's name. Yes. There's a guy there that has cool cars. Okay, cool. It's literally on my way. Drive there. Find the town. It's a little town of, you know, one of these little, like, 50 people in the town. Sure. But there's a little post office. Sure. And a little town square, and I park, and I'm like, okay, I'm looking up. I'm, you know, who do I look for? And there's a guy cutting the lawn, and I go, Hey, I'm looking for a guy that has a bunch of old cars. And the guy goes, Oh, he's right down the road. Go one block path and he's, we can't miss him. Yes. Turn around, go back. I park on the highway. Because, like I said, you never want to, like, I don't want to pull up in someone's driveway. No. Because that's imposing. So I park on the highway and I walk up to the front door. And I was going to walk up to the front door, but the guy was in his driveway. Oh, boy. Looking at me. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, Hmm, that's odd. Like, I pull on the side and I. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm Ryan. How's it going? Um, I heard that you had some cool cars. I just was wondering what the story was. And this guy literally goes to me, I know who the F you are. Yeah. And I know what the F you're doing. And I, I see how you're ruining this effing hobby. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, crud, this is not going to go as well as I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for the next hour, I mean, I'm trying to explain to him what I do. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't tell people where the stuff's at. I Everything I post is always anonymous, unless the owner specifically says, yes, you can post my name or whatever. Yes. So I keep locations anonymous. I don't tell people who owns it. 
even in like the magazine article they do nothing is posted where you can locate the cars that I find. I tell them, I'm like, you know, one time 12 years ago, there was a sign in the back of one of my pictures and someone was able to find the cars. I mean, that, that was yes. one instance ever that I've ever heard of someone, you know, discovering one of the cars I found. And he was just, um, he was just putting that into me that this one time, mm-hmm. you know, I let it flip. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to do it 12 years ago. I've changed my ways. I don't tell people. And then his wife came out oh, and boy. started screaming at me. And now we're standing in the driveway for a good hour. And he's just, him and his wife are just berating me. And I finally said, she threatened to call the police because I was I was trespassing, she said. Mm-hmm. But we were still on the median of the hot, of the local county road. Yes. I'm like, you know, I'm sorry I bothered you. You know, I tried to be a good person. I, as a uh, thing of good faith, here's my card. All my information, my address. I wasn't trying to be a bad person. I just wanted to talk to you about cool cars. Yes. And I left. And I thought, okay, that's the end of it. I never even got the guy's name. Didn't care. Just I'm on the road. I'm in my hotel that night, and I get a call from the Iowa State Police. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. And the guy's like, hi, this is Officer something something. Were you visiting this gentleman today? I'm like, who is he? I, I, I visited a few people today. Uh, well, he called and complained that you were harassing him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the crazy guy in the middle of Iowa. Nope, I don't. I didn't even know his name. Mm-hmm. Like, well, sir, he filed a complaint against you. And I'm like, officer, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. He goes, yeah. He yelled at me for an hour about you. I'm like, crap, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. Yes. He goes, yeah, but you did file a formal complaint that you ever do come back, you're to be shot or arrested. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> For driving down the road. <laughs> I go, I'm like, okay, no problem. I will never bother this guy again. It's done. And so I went, so that wasn't even the end of it. Oh my gosh. So I go okay. traveling for the next few days doing, uh, you know, my barn finding thing. And I get home and I have all these emails from people going, you got to look at this thread on a, on a web forum. And this guy went online and wrote this long expose on me. I bet you it was probably two pages long about how I'm ruining the hobby. I'm a horrible person and all that. Yes. And because I'd been traveling, I didn't see it. So it ran on for a few days and people were, you know, good people, bad people, you know, were going in on this. And I had to write a long expose about him and it died after that. But that was probably a good week of just crud. I can. One crazy guy in the middle of Iowa. It sounds to me. That was the worst experience I've ever had. Yes. It sure sounds like. Um, maybe the person was trying to hide something, you know, <laughs> or uh, he protested a little bit too strongly, as the old Shakespeare line goes, you know. Um, so that, but that's a, that's a shame. But I'm sure that's been counterbalanced by many, obviously many pleasant experiences talking to people. That all the characters that are out there and the different personality types and their and their great cars. So the the overriding Absolutely. pleasure of talking to people, I'm sure, must be very satisfying. Absolutely, and the joy that I bring into people's lives by telling them that their their, their car will be in the you know Hot Rod magazine or will be in my book, and the fact that you know, like I said, I'm not trying to steal the car out from underneath them. I'm trying to get why is this car here. Ninety nine percent of the time, people are more than happy to tell the story about why this you know GTO is in their front yard. Like they're more than happy to tell someone that the car is there because you know they brought their sons home in it or. You know, like I said, you used to go to the drive-in movie theater with his wife when they dated. Yes. They're more than happy to, 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 to
emotional connection. And it makes me happy to hear the stories and to be able to retell them to a large audience and inspire people that, yeah, the cars are, you know, rusting away, but at least they exist. And this person has a physical connection to a point in their lives. And they can walk out and really touch and, you know, be taken back. It yes. sucks, but it is what it is. Yes. Ryan, I think my favorite cars in there are what you call the Arrow Warriors, the cars from that they were trying to uh, win at NASCAR and had the wings on them and all, like the seventy uh, Superbirds. Those are my favorite. What oh, would yeah. what, what do you think your favorite would be? Is there such a thing as a single favorite or a line of you know, say the Cudas, the Challengers, or do you have one that you're, your favorite? Oh man, yeah. I mean, there's a. I have so many favorites. I mean. It depends on the model and the mate. Basically, the Superbirds and the Daytonas are just, you know, amazing. Yeah, I, re- a, I remember when they used to... There's Daytona in, that, in the book that I've been every year in October. I always go visit the car and the family, and we always go out to dinner. Um, there's, you know, a 70 Chevelle SS convertible that's in the book that I, it was a year ago to yesterday, I think, that I went and shot the car, and it's just mind-blowing. I mean, the guy... The owner, or actually the owner of the property, who's the brother of the owner, thinks he's an alien, like an actual, true, legit alien. And that was an interesting conversation. We I can, can only imagine but, that. <laughs> um, yeah, probably my favorite, though, would, be, would either be that Daytona, the orange Daytona in the guy's front yard, um, or there's a, it's not in this book, it was in my first book, was I showed up at a house in the middle of nowhere, I think it was Nebraska. I was Nebraska, and I heard the guy had cool cars. Didn't know what he had. Ended up that he had a, an original 1969 Charger 500, which is an Arrow Warrior. It had the flush front before the Daytona and the Arrow rear window, but it was a Hemi car with a four-speed and bright blue, and it was in a tractor shed. Wow. And that was just the first car, and he literally took me through his barn full of old cars, and he had an entire barn full of 426 Hemis that hadn't been seen since, like, the 90s because yeah. someone tried to break into it. Uh, it's just—it's more about the, the stories that are my favorite than the actual cars because I love them all. I love all most cars. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know a couple of different areas now. I... Uh, look every day, uh, although now I've switched from the daily, I get it weekly, the you know, barnfinds.com, uh, guys who run that uh, website. And have, do you know them? And, and was uh, if you don't mind me asking, was there anything that you had to get through to, to use the term? Or is it just a, an open term now that's that can't be um, copyrighted? Or think what was it, the publishing part of it? Was there any difficulty in doing that? Not for many, no. I mean, it's been used in Elysticon for a long time. Yes. So I don't think there is, like, uh, I know Corvette guys tried to copyright Survivor because of some stuff a long time ago. Yes. But, um, no, just, we all got, the big thing originally was Cars in Barns. Yes. There was a website that was world famous, and they had amazing cars, and then it kind of died. And then I had my website, barnfinds.org, because barnfinds.com was taken, yes, but nothing was done with it. And then the guys at barnfinds.com started doing their, uh, they don't do actually do any real work. They just take stuff off of uh, like eBay and Craigslist that, you know, fit the mold and just put it on there. That's right. But they don't actually do any hunting or anything like that, like mm. I do. Right. But um, 
that's why I mean I just branded myself as the auto archaeologist instead of a you know the barn finder. Yes. Um, because it's a much more open you know uh, market, I guess you could say. I also in the publishing area, I'm curious because I, you know, I'm a journalist uh, by my occupation and working with different editors, um, old and young, and and some talented, some not so talented. I'm I'm curious about the publishing process and how many images you might have taken uh, for this the the latest book and and the writing process. Um, was it? Um, did you take thousands and thousands of images, and how did you whittle it down to the number of images that are in the book, and and also the text? Um, how do how do you um, what is your process in terms of getting the text from some amazing stories to be able to condense it into a, a, a relatively you know not not a very thick book but a, a medium sized book? How does that process work for you? Oh, that's the most excruciating part of it all. <laughs> Perfect word, thank you. I've been doing this now for over 10 years, and I have di- digital images. I never really did film. I got in real early with digital cameras. Yes. And I have, as of last count, about 200,000 different barn find images from my travels. Wow. Wow. Now, a lot of them are, like, full walk-arounds of cars and all that. So, you know, it's, it's not all, every single one's an individual car. But, like, I did my first book uh, four years ago now. So that did basically the first 10 years I had, I've used up, I went through, you know, every folder, everything, and I put it into a special one. I just start going through them. It's just a clear image. So everything that wasn't clear, automatically deleted. Mm-hmm. Everything that was fuzzy, automatically deleted. Anything that isn't, you know, perfectly, you know, if I could crop it or, so that whittled it down to only a few thousand. And then I started really starting to go at it with the, you know, the clippers. Yes. And, you know, okay, I have, 12 of this car, go for every one. Which one's the best? Okay, so that's 11 gone right there. Yes. And in this last one, I had probably 60,000 images from the last four years alone. But in the end, I had to get down to 125 images roughly for this book. And that was, like I said, you're looking over, and I, I, there's stuff in the that's not in the book that I, I it hurts not to include it. Yes. But, like, I had, I have a picture pictures of a field of tri-fi chevys literally probably 20 tri-fi chevys but they weren't muscle cars so i had to cut all those out um and it just it really gets to you after a while and, but thankfully with the writing at least every car had a story and my memory at least for that is pretty good if not i have notes usually yes. so the writing went pretty well you know the publisher has a breakdown of what is needed for every image, what is needed for every section. But it took me months to whittle down the the pictures that I had, and it, it hurt. I mean, I had to put a lot of good stuff on the cutting room floor for the best of the best. Sure. Ryan, one other thing. I One thing I liked about your book is uh, I think you sort of established authenticity with, with some of these cars by your mentioning, like, you know, reading the vehicle identification numbers to – to know that this actually was a say a you know a Hemi car versus a 440 or what have you that that or a stage one if you're talking about uh, what is that Oldsmobiles and stuff uh, that was interesting. Yeah, Buick. Sorry, yes. So that that was interesting that you're no you're just because it had a big motor in it doesn't mean it was original. But you identify when they are original big motor car. Absolutely. Well, to the best of my ability, Mopars are very easy 
because they 99% of the time have it right in their VIN number, at least what the car is and, you know, what engine's in it within reason. Um, Chevy's, it's really hit and miss up until, like, 70. Um, GTOs, usually if they had the, a certain code on their uh, fender tag or on their uh, data plate, you could tell if it was a real GTO at least. And absolutely, it was wonderful starting to learn all that and, you know, be able to go through and tell, like you said, a Hemi Cuda. You know, if you read a Hemi Cuda event, it's BS23ROB, and that breakdown is like 70, you know, Barracuda, Special, 70, R means Hemi in 1970. And it's just amazing that that information is readily available, and it helps you quickly identify what the car is that you're looking at. You probably actually uh, brought some of the owners up to speed, too. Maybe they didn't know what they had. Absolutely. Um, now, a lot of these, especially the older, you know, demographic, they don't follow, you know, they don't do the Internet. They don't, you know, have cable so they can watch these auto auctions and such. So I definitely, I, I tell them, you know, I'm a straight shooter. You know, I, I'm here to inform and educate, not to try to profit. And I tell people, you know, this is a, you know, 70 Hemi Cuda, and this is, worth, you know, restored, you know, let's say $250,000, you know, yours is numbers matching and blah, 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 and that makes it worth a lot of money. And some people, you know, they've had inklings because they have friends that know about what they have and, you know, follow along. But, you know, absolutely, there are those people that are just completely clueless and don't understand what these, especially the muscle cars are worth nowadays. Sure. Ryan, your, your enthusiasm is in the book, and, and the enthusiasm you have for this proje- these projects, these books, are it's coming through uh, in your voice as well. And that leads me into the next question. This is a new book, and, you know, the Amazon sales and all the things that authors go through. Um, is it okay to ask if you have a, another book on the horizon, or is it too soon for that? I don't right now. Um, the second one was a real rough time. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, we'll see how this one goes. The only reason the second one got made is because the first one sold above expectation. Yes. So if this next one does very well, you never know. I might do a third, but uh, that means I have to get back out on the road. Start. Sh- I mean, I could pull from my old archives and, you know, do the stuff that I cut out the first time. Mm-hmm. Or I could go find some new stuff. And, you know, since that book ended, I've it's been almost a year since I actually turned it in. And I've... I found some crazy stuff, so it wouldn't be that hard to do. To gotcha. Believe. What do you do if, uh, for Hot Rod Magazine, and do you have other journalistic pursuits, or do you have some other areas of your life that you care to share? What's, what else is going on for you? Yeah, uh, that big thing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a journalist, basically. I mean, yes. I write for Hot Rod Magazine is my monthly thing. I write every month a column for Hot Rod. Yes. Um, it's a big eight book, usually, it's called Auto Archaeology. Yes. I also do features on bigger, like, that's usually a smaller story. There's not, because they only give me about 300 words and about 10 images, maybe. Yes. That's always a a smaller sub, like, a a single car or, you know, a few cars. But the bigger ones, the crazier stories, I do as features for other magazines like Muscle Car Review or Mustangs Monthly or um, Mopar Muscle. So I, I... as I said, I get myself out to as many uh, different publishers as possible to get the stuff out there. Yes. Well, fantastic. We we want to thank you today for being our guest. With the, the book, again, is Muscle Car Barn Finds. The author is 
Ryan Brutt, and he's been our uh, special guest today on the Weekly Driver podcast. It's a fascinating look at um, your uh, exploits around the country and finding these people and their cars. And as you've explained, some of them know exactly what they have. Some of them don't have a clue. And it's just, it's a really fun read. Um, you don't have to be a, an aficionado of, of old cars. It's more about the people who own them and the, and the places that you've traveled. So thank you for being our guest today uh, on the Weekly Driver podcast. For Bruce Aldrich, I'm James Rea. Please visit my website, theweeklydriver.com, where I have a story about Ryan and his book. And I've also written a column, uh, Ryan, that I will forward to you. I just received it yesterday from uh, two newspapers in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'll forward that link to you. So thanks again for, for being a guest. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you having me on. Take care. Bye-bye now. The Weekly Driver podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today for your chance to win a 2018 Mustang RTR Spec 3.